today we're going to talk about a story in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, we come to a point where Paul and Silas are thrown in jail. They're thrown in jail because they cast a demon out of a girl who was into fortune telling. And the Bible says clearly that they were thrown in jail because the men who owned the slave girl could not make money anymore on her fortune telling. And so they were <clears throat> cast into prison. The, the crowd was swayed to throw them into prison. And we find them in prison in verse 24. So in Acts 16, 24 through verse 29, let's read this together. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. The Bible tells us that Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. They were shackled in stocks. The, Barnes notes in his commentary, he says that these stocks, if you will, are, are wooden beams that would come down and clasp over <clears throat> the legs. And he said it wasn't uncommon for you not to just be in one stock around your legs, but you would actually have two sets of stocks on your legs, making it nearly impossible to sit up. <clears throat> now we know that the part of the prison where they were thrown into was basically just a deep hole. Most of the prison was above them and they were in this deep hole shackled in stocks and if Barnes is right in his notes there were there was a set of stocks on each of their legs. So four stocks total making it nearly impossible for them to sit up. Now they had been scourged on their backs and they literally had to lay down on top of the scourging that they had received and lay on top of that. I mean, can you imagine not only being shackled in a pit, but having been beaten beforehand and you can't sit up to relieve the pain. You actually have to lay on it. You actually have to lay in that pain and, and wallow in that pain and, and suffer for that. And yet in the story, we find that Paul and Silas began to praise God anyway. They began to worship God anyway. They began to get their praise on in the deepest inner part of the prison. You know what that tells me? That tells me that someone who's free in their spirit can't be shackled. That if I'm free in my spirit and I've experienced God and I know God in a personal, intimate way, that it doesn't matter what, where I'm at. It doesn't matter how deep the pit I'm in. It doesn't matter how much I've been scourged or beaten or feel that I've been done wrong. It doesn't matter because my spirit is free. And if my spirit is free, then my mind is free. And if my mind is free, then it doesn't matter so much what happens to the body because I can continue to praise God. It doesn't matter if you're shackled by this old rusted out beat up car that's spewing black junk out the back. It doesn't matter if you're shackled by that because you can still be free. It doesn't matter if you're shackled by a job that's holding you down and you don't feel like you can excel or, or climb up the ladder or get to where you need to be. It doesn't matter if you're shackled in some way, shape, or form. What matters is that your spirit is free. 
You see, the devil doesn't want us to move, right? He doesn't want us to have the freedom to, to, to be able to move. We, we think that somehow the devil, sometimes we think that the devil is after our stuff, right? Like maybe on your way to work, you get that flat tire and you're like, devil, you can't have my car. You can't have my tire. I have news for you. The devil's not after your car and he could care less about your tire. You know what he's after? He's after your joy. He's after your freedom. He's after the freedom that's in your spirit because he knows if he can shackle your spirit, then you're sunk, right? He's only using the car and the flat tire and the issue. He's only using that to get to your joy, to shackle your spirit and to shackle him. And because Paul and Silas were truly set free in the spirit, you could shackle them in the deepest part of the prison where the sewage was, where they're laying on their back, and it wouldn't matter because their spirit is free. They are free. And the Bible says that around midnight. Why around midnight? Well, because they've been beaten. They can't sleep. Maybe they're in pain. Or maybe they're happy that they've been scourged for God. That they're like, you know what? They considered us Christian enough that they had to intimidate us. They considered us Christian enough that they had to beat us. They considered us Christian enough to make fun of us. Praise God. And so out of that freedom, they began to praise. And as they began to praise, right, the earthquake shook. But I want to draw our attention to the jailer because the jailer is somebody that's in all of our lives. You know that guy or gal that's in your life that's the tough person, right? It doesn't seem like anything can crack them. I mean, this jailer has done this for years upon years upon years. He's used to the screaming. He's used to the wailing. He's used to the blood. He's used to all of, of the tragic things that go on in that prison. <clears throat> and yet here are two guys that said, we're going to praise. We're going to worship. Because even though we're shackled in stocks, we're not shackled in spirit. We might be confined to our homes, but we're not confined in our spirit. You might be confined someplace else, but you're not confined in your spirit. And this jailer, this, this tough guy, begins to hear this, and he begins to listen to them. And it began to set him free. Here's what I want you to know, that when you get into a difficult situation, and you begin to praise God anyway, your praise will set others free. Your praise will set others free. You see, if Paul and Silas had had the same values as the other prisoners, they might have been there cursing their captors. They might have been there screaming and wailing in pain. You see, if Paul and Silas were like the other jailers and had valued comfort, <clears throat> valued freedom, if freedom was one of their values, they could have been there screaming that they were there unjustly. If they had a value of comfort, they could have said, well, this isn't comfortable and I don't like this. If they valued, if they valued what they were entitled to, they could have screamed, well, this isn't fair, this isn't right, you can't do this to me. But they didn't. They valued their relationship with Jesus. They valued the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. That was their value. And so because that was their value, they were able to sing and to praise. They could have 
focused on lack of freedom. They could have focused on discomfort. They could have focused on their rights that had been taken away. They could have focused on all sorts of things, but they didn't. They focused on God, and they worshiped God despite the storm. You see, I believe that Paul and Silas, when they value God and they value worshiping God, it doesn't matter where they're at. Like on Wednesday nights, right? We're going through the book of Revelation. Where was John when he wrote that? He was on prison, on an island. He was in prison, and he worshiped God anyway. You see, if your spirit's free, then it doesn't matter so much what happens on the outside because you can continue to praise and to worship God. And so if they had valued freedom and comfort, they would have been like all of the other prisoners. You know what the difference is between a Christian and someone who's not a Christian? Our values are different. The reason, the reason most Christians act like, talk like, and look like people who don't follow Jesus is because they have the same value system as most people who are not Christians. But a real Christian, a real follower of Christ, doesn't have the same set of values, and so they don't respond to things the same way as other people do. They might have the same feelings. They might be like, oh, shucks, right? Why did this have to happen? I don't understand. This makes no sense. But when your value system is that of heaven, even though you feel that way, you don't respond that way. Because then you're different. Then you're set apart. And here's what I can tell you. That in a time of crisis, whether it's your job, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's your car giving out, whatever it might be, in a crisis, your values either become a liability or they become an asset. In a time of crisis, your value either becomes a liability or an asset. You can't value trust and value control of the situation. Sometimes you just have to trust. You can't value patience and expect everything to hurry up and be fast, right? You can't value freedom, right? And wanting to always have it your way because sometimes true freedom and your way clash. Sometimes trust and control clash. And in a time of crisis, it identifies our values, If a crisis is causing you pain, it's likely your value is a liability. Let me say that again. Some of you will get this tomorrow. If a crisis is causing pain, it's likely your value is a liability. And it's time to make a value shift. It's time to make a value adjustment. Because crisis reveals values. And where that pain hits says, oh, wait a minute, I valued my freedom more than I should have. I valued my comfort more than I should have. But if I value trust and faith and hope and love and patience, and if I value the fruit of the Spirit, and if I value those things, those become assets when crisis hits. Those become things that I can rely on and lean on. So it doesn't matter how uncomfortable it gets. It doesn't matter how much of my freedom I lose. It doesn't matter... Um, how much control I lose. It doesn't matter how much I don't understand because those other things being assets in times of crisis will cause me to be free. Maybe the reason that you've not seen a breakthrough in your life, maybe the reason that you've not seen or I've not seen a breakthrough in certain areas of our life is because we've not praised God despite the situation. We've not said, you know what, I value worshiping God and I value praising God despite my circumstance. 
Maybe God is just inviting us to change our values just a little bit so that we can praise our way out of the circumstance. Listen, you can't praise and worry. You can't have faith and have control. You can't trust and then have to know all the details. You can't love and be in fear. Let me say something else. You can't have freedom and be free indeed. There's a difference. You see, Paul and Silas knew they were free indeed. They were, they were free indeed. It's one thing to be free. It's another thing to be free indeed. And that's what they knew. They knew they were free indeed beyond a shadow of a doubt. They knew who their God was. They knew that they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it didn't matter what the crowd, what the government, what the jailer, or what the rats in the pit were scurrying around them. didn't matter. They knew they were free indeed. Jesus says in John 8, 36, he says, So, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Kind of reminds me of a story back in the 60s. There was a man by the name of Richard Matt, who was a murderer. And with a plot from one of the guards, Richard Matt escaped. He, he escaped the prison with the help of one of the guards and they were thinking that if we could just get out right if i as a prisoner could just get out of prison i'd be free but what he didn't understand was that he could never be free indeed why is he not free indeed because even though he was free he has to keep looking over his shoulder to see if, and he could change his name, he could change his hair and grow a beard, he could do all sorts of things, but he would never be free indeed because he tried to do it on his own. Because he tried to escape on his own, and so he would always be looking over his shoulder. The Israelites leaving Egypt, same thing. When the Israelites left Egypt, what were they doing? They were looking over their shoulder. They were complaining there. Do you remember the good old days when? Do you remember when we were back in Egypt? Do you remember when constantly looking over their shoulder and never allowing themselves to be free indeed and to look forward instead of looking backwards? So when they come out of Egypt and they're trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, right? They got through the waters, as, as the waters parted, they got through. And the Bible says that the Pharaoh's armies went into the sea, and the sea collapsed and drowned out Pharaoh's army. And here's what happens to people who are free indeed, and they know they're free indeed. Miriam grabs the tambourine and begins to worship and begins to praise and begins to celebrate and to thank God that they are free indeed. Where's the promised land? Well, I don't know. They're in the middle of a desert. All they know is that the past is behind them, it's buried, and it's time to move on. And now they are free indeed. And so it's time to praise God. And that's exactly what Miriam and Moses and, and Aaron did and the rest of the Israelites. They began to worship. Let me tell you something. Until that thing in your past is killed, you can't be free indeed. Until that thing in your past is killed, you cannot be free indeed. You can say, I'm free, but I'm still looking back over my shoulder at Jack Daniels. Then I'd say you're free, but you're not free indeed because you have to keep looking backwards. When's the next time that I might slip up and take a drink and get addicted again? 
I, I'm free of my temper, but I have to be careful every once in a while, then you're not free indeed because you haven't killed it. You might feel free from saying the words that you shouldn't say and smarten off, but as long as you keep going, oh, oh, I don't know what to say. I better not say that. I got it. And you have to think about it. Then I would argue to say that you're not free indeed. I might be free over my past chasing me, but as long as I'm looking over my shoulder at my past, hoping that my past doesn't catch up with me, I'm free, but I'm not free indeed. Being free indeed will shock you because what will happen is that one day you will realize, wait a minute, I just walked, I just walked right past a liquor store and I didn't have to go in. I just, I just walked by that person and didn't have any ill feelings. I just, I'm free indeed because it doesn't affect me anymore. It doesn't impact me anymore like it did. I'm free indeed to worship God and to praise God. I've been set free from that. And the amazing thing in this story with Paul and Silas is because they were free indeed going in. They were free indeed coming out. They worshiped God in the middle of it. And their praise made others free. You see, other people will look at your life and go, how are you doing that? Well, God. How are you doing that? Jesus. How are you doing that? The Holy Spirit. How can you get through that? It's my relationship with God. They won't comprehend it because they haven't experienced it, nor do they walk in the relationship of it. But when you are free indeed, you begin to set others free. You begin to free up other people who have been through similar situations, and you're able to talk with them and to work with them. In verse 28, it says that the jailer, as the doors were open and, and the stocks were broken, and people begin to come out of their cells, it says the jailer, knowing that if any of the prisoners escaped, he would be put to death, drew his sword and was ready to kill himself. But Paul said, no, stop. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. We are all here. Because they praised God, despite the circumstance. Besides the fact of being trapped, they praised God anyway. And the jailer was free. Did you know that someone else's freedom is waiting on you to show the way? Did you know that somebody else's freedom is waiting on you to show them the way to be free? And as long as your values keep aligning with values that aren't in Scripture, you'll keep whining and complaining like everybody else in the prison. But when your values align with God, and you say, God, I trust you. I have faith in the things that you're doing. I have I, I believe wholeheartedly in what you're doing. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to love and I'm going to have hope and faith and trust. And these are my values, not comfort and entitlement and my rights. Who Those things later become liabilities when crisis hits. But things like faith, hope, trust, and love become assets in a time of crisis. When you can go through things and have those as your value and to be free indeed from looking over your shoulder, you begin to set other people free. Other people want to know what's going on. How are you doing that? How are you accomplishing that? Their praise set him free. But it doesn't stop there. The story doesn't stop there. Much like it does throughout all of Scripture. It doesn't stop. It says in Acts 16, verse 34, it goes on to say, the jailer, listen to this, 
the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. It didn't just stop with the jailer. He took Paul and Silas to his house and said, guys, honey, get the kids, sit down, um, get everybody else in our house, and, and, and you've got to hear this. You've, you've got to hear this. And it says that his whole household accepted Christ because they praised their way out, because their values didn't align with the values of the world, and that their values were assets, not liabilities. And so that's my question to you today as we close this up. It isn't that Jesus just wants to set you free. He wants to set you free indeed. Well, you're not looking over your shoulder at your previous addiction. You're not looking over your shoulder at something you wish you wouldn't have said. You're not looking over your shoulder at your past just waiting for it to catch you. But you're free indeed. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that you can live a life in which your past never catches you because in God's eyes, it no longer exists? That you can give your life to Christ and say, God, I give you my life. I give you my past. I want, to, I want you to take control of it all. And I want you to wipe it out. And I want to begin to grow in the values of heaven, not in the values of humanity, not in the values of earth, but in the values of the spirit. What is it you value? I would invite you just to accept Christ, to say, Jesus, I'm going to begin to follow you. If that's you this morning, as I pray and close, I want you to do one of two things. Look me up on Facebook, send me a message on Facebook, or shoot me an email, tyson at theriverlopel.com. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that are saying, yes, I want to give my life to Christ. I now realize that the, the, the values that I've had, that the crisis that I've ran into has revealed that my values are liabilities. Lord, I want, the, I want the values of heaven. I want the values that become assets, not just during crisis, but they're assets every day when things get back to normal or even when things are better than normal. Lord, I want values that are assets in my life, not liabilities. Lord, I want to be able to praise my way out because my values align with your values. Would you take my life, Jesus? Would you take our life? Would you control them? And, and we yield what power we think we have. We yield it to you. And we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you prayed that prayer, reach out to me. I want to hear from you. We'll see you next week on Mother's Day. I'm looking forward to hearing what some people have to say about their mom and their wife. And looking forward to a great, great Mother's Day. Thank you.